0: Thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. ShareGate's got your back. After helping thousands of customers move to Office 365, they've learned that success in the cloud involves more than just migration. That's why they've created ShareGate Apricot, an automated governance platform for Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 Groups. With ShareGate Apricot, you get full visibility across each team's lifecycle, from creation all the way through to archival. You can automate manual tasks involved in identifying problem areas like inactive or orphaned teams and collaborate with team owners on corrective measures to help keep your teams tidy and secure. That's why they've combined Sharegate Desktop, their trusted migration and content management tool, with Sharegate Apricot in a single subscription so that you have everything you need to be successful in the Microsoft Cloud. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 402. Today, AC and I are going to talk to Sharegate about the state of Microsoft 365 in 2021 report. Recorded live March 25th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? With Raygun application performance monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. With Raygun, monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify and resolve issues, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. I've personally used Raygun and Hyperfish for the last four years to help me sleep better at night, knowing the customers we've worked so hard to get are having a great experience. We use Raygun to alert engineers proactively so that we can be the ones to tell customers when we've fixed the problem instead of them calling us to say something's wrong. Raygun.com is my secret weapon in shipping high quality code. Check it out at Raygun.com and get up and running in minutes. Back to the show.
1: Good morning, AC good oh shoot episode 402 hold on payment required let me get, payment card required.
0: Card. get your credit card yeah. out buddy i
1: got a card somewhere yeah so i need hey, a micro transaction I- for you to talk to me this morning <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing good I, you know that i love that joke i love this little theme that we have here of course we're never going to be able to do this again even one of our friends reached out to us and tried to like pull a joke on saying i can't find it we're like what do you mean he goes i can't, I find can't believe this i am like, fell for this I'm like, that's 404. You're like three weeks ahead of us. It's 401. You're not allowed to watch this one. He goes, oh man, I totally screwed that up. And I'm like, no, seriously, you're not allowed to listen to it. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh my God, you really don't even know what the real code is. Yeah. He
0: texted us, right? And uh, this is a friend of the show, Jason Himmelstein. And uh, I'm singling him out because, you know, he absolutely got me with this. He texted us and said, I can't find your episode. The, the latest episodes disappeared or something like, I can't remember what his text was, something like that. And I was like, oh no. So I started looking around online about what might technically have gone wrong. And then I was like, oh, you cheeky little bugger. He got me. He got me.
1: Yeah. So- I, um, That was fun. Yes, nice fun. one, Jason. Nice one. <laughs> anyway, how have you been? It's been a- Eventful week. It's <laughs> yeah. not exactly what I planned my week to go like, but it's been quite eventful. And I know we'll talk. A, we'll get into a little bit of that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not the theme yeah. Of today, though, <laughs> there is a little piece we have as we go through some of our news about some events in your life this week. Some of them were fairly public <laughs> uh, <laughs> that we can yeah. dis- that we can discuss about some SharePoint stuff. But
1: um, yeah, it was an interesting. I was watching from afar, so we'll, we'll dig into that in a second, I guess. You know what I did this past weekend? I thought that was, it was one of the most fun days I've had in a while. Is my son turned 16 back at the end of January, late last or middle of last week. I uh, went and picked up his first car. I bought a 14 year old Toyota from my sister in law, who I think I talked about in the last show where she's getting ready to embark on a nine month sailing trip. And um, this past weekend, we replaced the headlights on the car which was fun. Of course, she thought that we wrecked the car already when I sent her a picture because the way you do it is you take <laughs> one side of the bumper off and have it hanging down. She's like, are you serious? I'm like, no, no, that's how. Supposed to. That's, that's what everybody on YouTube said. That's normal. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's one. And then the other one, we also replaced the radio, the aftermarket or the out-of-the-box radio, which included just a cassette deck and a CD player, which my son has neither one of those, any of that media and uh, replaced it with an aftermarket Sony that uh, supports Apple CarPlay. And like last week, I was with my first experience in a rental car with CarPlay and him having it, I swear he's got a better experience in his 14-year-old car than like the Tesla, like even the gigantic 17-inch screen that I have. He's got a better experience to work with his phone than I do. I just want to point out here that this is like
0: Pimp My Ride, Connell style.
1: Oh, hell yeah, man. This weekend, we're putting in a a, a backup camera as well. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yo, we're going to put a screen on your screen. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. Well,
0: that's, I feel like, who was that guy that, that anyway, pimp my
1: ride? Yeah, I could just imagine. He must be so stoked with how it's turned out, though. That's great. Like, yeah, he's like the yo dog. I hear you like containers. So I put a container in your container and put them in a the container. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put them container ship and got it stuck in the suet. No. <laughs> Exhibit. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, gosh. Anyway, yeah.
0: yeah. How about
1: you, dude? How,
0: what's up with you these days? I was just saying before we started, trying to stay sane. You know, I've had my first vaccine shot which I guess was progress which I'm very excited about I get another one in a couple of weeks I've heard varying reports of getting pretty pretty knocked out by the second shot so I'm I'm kind of uh, apprehensive about that but very excited about being able to run around town and lick handrails and and all that
1: sort of stuff so yeah I'm going to be able to join you soon because just about an hour before we recorded this, the news broke that Florida is lowering <laughs> the age to 40 years old effective this coming Monday. So the day after the show comes out uh-huh. is when I'm eligible. And so, of course, my wife and I are running around like, who's got the vaccine? And everyone's like, <laughs> yeah. appointments are all booked up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's Florida. I thought you guys had like three million spares or something. <laughs> Let's not get Politics.
0: started on that. <laughs> but anyway... We have an exciting show in store this week. We've got a guest from ShareGate to come and talk about their state of Microsoft 365 2021 report, which we will get into in a moment. But before we do that, how about we quickly bang through some news and then get on to the goodies later in the show.
1: That works for me. Excellent. So I have a couple message center updates from Microsoft 365. I want to bang out uh, real quickly here. So let me go through and read through these real fast. The first one is Message Center ID 245825, and it's announcing new self-service products. These will be available as early as mid-April-ish. They say April 19th, but you know, mid-April. It's Power BI Premium per user and Power Automate per user with an attended RPA. So, the uh, process automation. Yeah. The next one is Message Center 24602, which is M365 Compliance Center updates to content search, core e discovery, and advanced e discovery user experience. The idea here is that what they are aiming to do is to provide an easier navigation experience across all e discovery solutions in the Compliance Center while ensuring your existing day-to-day workflows continue to empower your users. So really just trying to modernize and standardize stuff. And then the last one that I have is Message Center ID 246272, which is Yammer is going to retire support for Internet Explorer in August 2021. So Is that because Internet Explorer retired Yammer support? <laughs> I'm not This sure, is they, their, they, this is shooting yeah. back across the. <laughs> this, this is the, the battle. Yeah, I dumped her. Like, no, no, no I dumped him first. Like, wait, exactly. <laughs> Who was first, chicken or the egg? Hey, speaking of
0: those self-service products, announcing new self-service products—is that going to be like the Power BI self-service product? Remember, they they launched the Power BI thing where anybody could buy. Was it Power BI? I think it was Power BI, wasn't it? Where they well,
1: I thought it was where Power they let people, Apps or Power Flow. Oh Power no, Flow, you're right. Flow.
0: Yeah, it was Power Apps, right, where people could buy the SKU themselves on their credit card and admins had no control and things like that. I hope they've Mm -hmm. learned from from those experiences last time with these new self-service products.
1: We'll We'll see. see. (laughs) Hopefully not because it gives us more news. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: We'll be able to say they haven't learned from last time, I guess. We'll see. Right. Right, right. Nice. Now, I have a little bit of news here. It's unfolding and it's not confirmed yet, which is interesting, but it piqued my interest this week, which is Microsoft is apparently in negotiations or trying to buy Discord. Mm. You know, the, um, the voice app for gamers, voice and video, I suppose, because it does streaming, but, you know, it's very tailored around gamers talking to each other and organizing for, for gaming and things like that. I use it quite a bit. My son uses it quite a bit. It's a great app. I sort of feel like... Well, this article talks about... It's from Bloomberg, but it talks about they're looking for something to buy after they missed out on TikTok. <laughs> and, and, and this feels a little bit like, okay, well, what else could we buy? <laughs> so <laughs> it is interesting, though, because I was thinking about this. I was like, well, they've already got Teams. So why do they need another voice tool? And then I was thinking, but voice... And organizing groups and things on Xbox and PC totally sucks, right? And trying to do it with Xbox and get people into the same party on Xbox and the invite system, and it's just misery. And so I wonder if that's the angle they're taking with this and they're trying to go for a new you know, cloud-based gaming voice system and community tool for the gaming community for Windows and Xbox and, and that sort of thing. I don't know if they're playing with, into the enterprise space with Discord and try to use some of that technology for Teams, for example, or if they're going on the consumer side. It's unclear
1: to me yet. It's That's unclear. And then the thing that gives me pause about this as well, I'm not passing judgment on it because they haven't talked about what they're going to do with it. But the one thing that gives me pause on it is that, I mean, yeah, everybody talks about Discord being the voice and video for gamers, but there's also a significant portion that use Discord that don't use it for the voice and video side, but they use it as basically like a more open or um, an, an alternative, a Slack alternative in a sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, for um, sure.
1: Like I, I use it for a lot of a lot of work products that I end up using. Like Tailwind does almost all of their community stuff. is all through their Discord channels. There's a couple of developer tools mm-hmm. I use that do all of their presences all through Discord as well. And it's like, it would be really... Like to see those pieces to it, if they go in the direction of like what you're talking about and saying, we're basically taking Discord and we're going to make it like the Teams, but we're going to do it for the consumer side, mm. then I feel like the, the ways that I use Discord, I'm going to end up losing out on some of those things. And Good after check. we've seen you know Slack getting acquired by Salesforce and now we're seeing Discord potentially getting acquired by Microsoft, I mean, I've seen some kind of hesitation or some pushback in the community of just like, oh man, I mean, this is the perfect solution for us. And so it's kind of like... Uh, yeah, it does kind of feel like somebody's walked in to Best Buy with an Amex uh, right before tax season. <laughs> They're like going, "Oh, all the all these TVs are gone." Like going, "What kind of buy one of those TVs before J- June 1st And I got it or uh, July first, and we got to yeah. put it on this year's taxes.
0: What's so. interesting about this is Discord's been doing very well in terms of growth, especially through twenty twenty, more people gaming and needing to connect with one another from home, and so there's a theory floating around that they would reject Microsoft's offer anyway on their march towards IPO. So who knows? We might see Satya pick this up, in which case, please do a good job of it. Don't do a Yammer on us, but do
1: a GitHub on us would be great. Like, That's let's GitHub alone. And it's yeah. flourished, right? So hopefully that will happen with Discord too. That would be my hope as well. I mean, I, I would love to see something like that where if Microsoft just wants to do it for a tax thing, hey, I get it. Go for it. That's fine. But they're doing a good job, so it's kind of like, don't get involved in there. Or just try and like collaborate on some tech or something. But yeah, yeah. The other thing that I kind of wanted to highlight, which as I said was like the the elephant in the room thing, is around the SharePoint framework. Now, I don't want. I could take up an entire episode on this. I don't want to, but we're not going to. I just want to take a couple of minutes to just say a few things here, and I have a blog post that that you can grab in the show notes that kind of explains a little bit of this, and that's going to link off to another one that kind of gives more of my personal take on the whole thing. The backstory is, is that in the middle, I think it was March 15th or 16th, Microsoft released SharePoint Framework 1.12. After they released it, a bunch of regressions were found. One of them, very, very significant, that was going to break a a lot of projects. I mean, not just break them, but the projects, you couldn't build the projects if you were Mm. uh, trying to externalize libraries. And so on March 23rd, I believe it was, or March 24th, one of the two, Microsoft announced that they were deprecating it and they were rolling it back to 1.11. So I saw this and frankly, there was, it wasn't just this, but it was the culmination of a bunch of other stuff that's been going on with the SharePoint framework over the last couple of years. And I've been trying to give my feedback to Microsoft. I've done it in many, many different ways in private, not in public, but the kind of feedback that I'm talking about is like private one-on-one t- discussions, group conversations peer conversations with individuals that can make the right decisions and all that stuff. And I just was getting frustrated by the way that Microsoft was kind of going in a direction that didn't make sense and wasn't really... A lot of things were just kind of, you know, ignoring the fact that there were known issues for a while while just focusing on the new stuff. Really, not just me, but I was I was amplifying some of the stuff that a lot of other people have been saying. A lot of my customers, a lot of just general community people, etc. And when one of my customers a couple of days ago sent me a very long, irate message on my largest customers. One of Microsoft's biggest customers sent me a very long, irate message after seeing what happened with 12. They flew off the handle in a good way and basically were like, we don't trust Microsoft when it comes to SPFX anymore. I said basically the same thing when it came to this, and I said it on Twitter. Now, the only regret that I have what I said was... I used a bit of profanity, but I started out the part of it, but it's pretty clear what I was trying to say. And I wish that I hadn't used that thing. It's not a very professional way to say it, but I don't regret actually coming out and, say, and calling them out on this, like saying, this is ridiculous. I got criticism on both sides. People said that, yes, it was that they appreciate what I did. Some people were not very happy with what, thought I, I went about it the wrong way. And they said, you should have taken this in private. I was like, look, with all due respect, what you don't see is the stuff that goes on in private is private. And you don't see that publicly. And let's just say there's been stuff going on for at least two years, concentrated stuff. And mm. my estimation, when I wrote that tweet, my estimation was basically, look, apparently the feedback isn't wanted or isn't appreciated. And so I'm going to speak to my customers. I'm going to speak to my followers. That's what my tweet was. The fact that some that people from Microsoft happened to notice my tweet and noticed my conversation with my customers and didn't take kindly to it initially, that's not my problem. You've tried. Yeah. I have spoken to Microsoft in private since that whole thing. I mean, things are cool. um, And (laughs) they definitely, they understand it and they appreciate it. And I mean, there's some agreement on both sides. There's some disagreement on both sides. But I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm optimistic and hopeful on where things go going forward. I'll just, I'll leave it at that.
0: My thoughts on this are, I never thought I'd see a product Last a shorter amount of time than the Microsoft Kin phone. And I think SPFX 1.12 broke that record. So five they've days. five days. Yeah. So they announced it or GA'd it, right? It went GA mm-hmm. and then pulled, pulled the release and it's now officially deprecated. Mm-hmm. But only now the they- 1.2 release and they're going to follow up with a patch or something like that, right?
1: Yeah, so 1.12 is the version that released and has now been deprecated. The guidance is go back to 1.11 or don't right. install 1.12, which you, you can't anyway. 1.12 has been unpublished. They have fixed the major as of the time of the recording, they fixed the major issue, all six of the bugs that were regressions that came up from it. And 1.12.1 will ship soon. It may ship by the time that we that this episode comes out. And if it does, we'll put it in the show notes, the link to it in the show notes. But what I will have in the show notes is a blog post that where I explain kind of the more detailed behind the scenes, like our background of exactly what the issue was. And then that'll link to another post on my personal blog that just is a little more not as businessy, just kind of give my two cents on the whole thing. So if you guys want to hear that, you want to see that stuff, go take a look at it. And maybe we do another episode about it in the future. We'll see.
0: Sounds good. I had a developer reach out to me and say, should we upgrade to 1.12? And I slammed the brakes on that conversation pretty fast. Good call. Yeah, solely because of what I've heard was going on, not because of my own experience.
1: I hadn't touched just, it, but... Just make sure you've got a good, clean commit before you uh, try that up. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you've got one of those
0: Windows restore points ready. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, so that is our news. Shall we move on to the meat and potatoes of the show and get stuck into our
1: interview? Let's do it.
0: This episode is sponsored by Avpoint. If you like the cloud show, you will love the Shift Happens podcast with Microsoft MVP and regional director Dux Raymond Sai. each week ducks talks with one of the industry's brightest stars about their most challenging modern workplace or digital transformation projects he uncovers the players organizational hurdles and last-minute surprises that inevitably arise when ambitious people try to impact their workplace season one features fedex wells fargo heathrow airport united airlines and other industry leaders go to www.avpoint.com forward slash blog forward slash shift happens or search for the hashtag shift happens that's one word hashtag shift happens wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe today and now back to the show all right today we are graced with the presence of one of our fantastic sponsors of the show uh, from sharegate larry welcome to the microsoft cloud show
2: hey guys how's it going Very well
0: indeed. Yeah, we're very fortunate to have you come along and talk to us about the state of Microsoft 365 migration, modernization and security, and how you guys have seen that over the last 12 months or so. And, uh, and from your point of view, and what you found going on in the, in the market, and we'll, we'll dive into that in a second. But I think this is the first time you've come on the show.
2: Myself, yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. I mean, we've had yeah.
0: Ben on before from Sharegate, yep. obviously, but I believe it's the first time. So yeah, welcome yeah, to the show. If
2: you uh, had asked me a few years back when I started working at Sharegate that I would be on the, the Microsoft Cloud show, I don't think I would have believed you, but uh, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yeah, there
0: you go. Well, yeah, no, we're very fortunate to have you on the show. So for those who don't know you, would you just take a moment to introduce yourself first and what you do at Sharegate and, and your role? And, and uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, of course. So I have been with Sharegate for close to six years now. Um, time flies. Working at Sharegate was my first experience in the tech industry and uh, the Microsoft industry as well. I worked into different uh, different spheres of the business, different different teams over the years. But one thing that kind of like was always there was the me traveling. So at the very beginning, they they wanted someone to take care of the conferences with Ben, and you know I was young. I, well, I mean I, I like to think that I'm still young, but. I was younger back then and they told me you know you get to travel everywhere around the world and uh, just meet all those interesting people so I was like yeah I'm I'm in and um, (laughs) yeah so essentially I I traveled uh, traveled everywhere Uh, I was uh, labeled Ben's sidekick at some point and uh, (laughs) and uh,
1: (laughs) yeah 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 no
2: but Ben did travel a bit more than I than I did to be to be to be uh, completely honest but um, yeah and just like through all that traveling meeting meeting all those people well meeting you guys uh, that's pretty much how I got to meet you too. And, um. Yeah, just kind of like start knowing about the community and grew an interest for it. And um, as things went, I, I evolved into what we uh, what we call a community enablement manager. So I'm responsible for the involvement of ShareGate, anything that has to do with community. So whether it's gotcha. supporting community initiatives, you know, bringing content to our that's very driven by the community or with the community. So yeah, I guess like in awesome. a, in a nutshell, that's uh, that's what I do.
1: Awesome. It's great to have you on the show. I mean, it's it's funny because behind the scenes, you know, we talk very frequently with you and with ShareGate. I mean, we really appreciate you guys supporting the show for so long. And I want to say this, I want to preface this with this is kind of a joke and I'm, I'm almost sensitive to how I say this, but I mean, hey, today's episode 402 and I get that the status code 402 is payment required, but... There was no payment required for ShareGate to come on the show to <laughs> talk about this report. I mean, this is we know what we're going to talk about, and we are really excited. Just um, a, coincidence. You, it's just it a coincidence. It I, is just a coincidence. I looked at it, I was like going, Oh, that's hilarious. I'm like, wait a minute. Some people may think, and I'm like, that's not what we want to do. And like our no. other sponsors, are like, wait, we didn't get an opportunity. I'm like, wait, hold on. Uh, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. But we're really excited about this. We talked about this specific topic. We talked about doing this. I know we talked about the last time we were together, and I believe that was in Seattle in 2019 in August. Because now we talked about doing one kind of an episode, and then we, then this kind of came out of it. It's like this is fantastic. Let's do this, and then you guys did this report, and CJ and I have had a chance to look at had a chance to look at. I mean, this is it's so comprehensive. I haven't had a chance to read the whole thing. I started reading a bunch of it, and then started quickly scanning the rest of it because it, in preparation for our show, but. This is really cool what you guys have done and it's it's got a, the timing of it is fast I haven't seen something like this for our business yet.
2: Yeah, I and mean, there was uh we've been working on that for a while. Uh it started in 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 2020 and there was a, a lot of hard work, a lot of love put in put into that. Like yeah, uh, if you you go ahead and 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 read the content, you'll see that it's not uh it's not a clickbait, you know. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. A lot of work. It's very deep. Uh, yeah, mm. we really hope that everyone really enjoys it and finds it interesting and and learns a bunch from it.
0: So it's titled "The State or State of Microsoft Three Six Five Migration Modernization and Security in 2021. For me personally, twenty twenty, I think for a lot of us, but for, I also, you know, very, feel it very personally. Twenty twenty was a very strange year, right? And one of the things I've really missed, and we've talked about it on the show before, is connecting with the community and connecting with customers and connecting with partners at conferences and in-person events, right? And I feel more out of touch with what's going on in the state of Microsoft 365 now than I ever have before, right? Because of that year of strangeness that we've just gone through. And so when I saw this come out, I was like, this is fantastic. This means I can catch back up with what's actually been going on. We did
2: all the groundwork for you. Exactly. <laughs> no. But that's kind of a little bit of the background behind behind the content, right? So, like you said, I think it's Satya who said that, you know, there was like two years worth of digital digital transformation within two months. And, and that's our reality, but it, I think it's it's interesting for everyone in the industry in their own, their own different way. But for us as a software company, as so we're building software, for us as marketers as well, it's just natural for us to want to stay on top of what's happening. And there's so much that happened throughout the year. And like you said, we were a bit out of touch. We weren't face to face with our customers. so it was really important for us to just take the time, go see our customers, go see our followers, really ask the questions, uh, get the data, dig deep in the data and really understand what happened and yeah and all the impacts that that had. Obviously we all know that you know it accelerated a bunch of things but then what does that mean exactly in the platform and the adoption of the, of the tools?
1: What a fantastic so, year for it! Yeah. Oh my God! No kidding. And and you know one of the things that you you start out in the report, which I this is what makes it so you you guys are in a very unique position to be able to do this for a couple different reasons, but part is just your line of business and then how you are so involved in this Microsoft 365 space. So can you talk a little bit about like, when did you go through and do like all the data collection for this, the, you know, how did, where did you get your data from? Was it surveys? Was it in-person when well, I in-person or virtual in-person <laughs> surveys? Yep. Was it using like the tools that you guys have with like Sharegate desktop and Sharegate apricot? What was the methodology behind like kind of pulling this all together?
2: I guess the, the answer is uh, all of these answers. So there's a lot of different ways we 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 could get some some information and we, we tried to use as many of, as them as possible. So we did start off with uh, with surveys to our users and our followers. So we had just a little bit over 800 uh, respondents to our surveys. So it's it's a good amount of uh, of people that that answered and it does span o- across kind of like the whole IT industry. So it, it goes from the the small tech startup to the bigger enterprise Company to banking to government. Of course, everything is anonymized, but so we've got a good representation of everybody in uh, industry by that uh, by that number. So that's the first thing. So we went through uh, through surveys. Then, of course, we used our the data coming from from our products. So our telemetry data we've got a a decent amount of customers that represents a lot of uh, a lot of data that we could leverage and in cross referencing that on how people use Microsoft 365 was the second part of it and the third one was uh, interviews with industry experts so of course we sat down with Ben our our very own Benjamin Nyland head of product but we also sat down with Joanne Klein and uh, Jasper Oosterveld, which were both very generous with their time and we got to During the process, we already had some data and we got to kind of like validate that through what they're seeing on the field, get advice as well of what they think is important. You know, when you see that data, you know what does that mean? And what should people look into what's important Mm. for that? So I'd say those are like the three ways that we went and got all the information in there. So interviews, just really pure product data and uh, and
1: surveys. Nice. What's cool about that too is that, I mean, it gives you, you're getting not only like what people's opinions are, But through your products and through the data, it's also giving you like just their implicit, like exactly what are the companies actually doing? So it's like there's no opinion there. This is like just straight fact. What are we seeing in the telemetry and how people are actually doing this stuff? I mean, you play in the space of helping people migrate and govern their Microsoft 365 investments or their, you know, related investments where they're they have stuff that's on-prem and they're migrating to 365 or you're able to see kind of what people are doing and not just listen to what they're saying but actually yep. observe it in a in a more unappay yeah quantitative way, yeah
2: just fine. Yeah, yeah exactly we've got both the qualitative and the quantitative And that was important for us to get like both of those those sides included in the report. Mm.
0: Well in in, in typical shagate fashion You've done a really good job of this. and It's very thorough. <laughs> well, thank you. It's easy to consume. It's well-written and it's very graphical as well, right? So we urge everybody to go take a look at it and go sign up for the report, obviously. And and we'll go through some of the highlights in a moment, but there's obviously tons of detail to consume here and we're not going to be able to get through you know, 90% not... of it today, obviously. <laughs> it's pretty comprehensive. So you, you touch on three main areas, migration, modernization, and security. So... Why don't you walk us through just some of the, I guess, the key highlights or sort of top-level points or interesting tidbits that you found for sort of each of those three areas or, or some of the interesting things that you came away from? I'm sure as you went through this process and, and looked at some of the data, you're like, huh, we didn't expect that. That's quite odd. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a total no-brainer, right? So um, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, there's there's both of those, right? There are some no-brainers, and there are some stuff that that I personally saw and was like, wow, that's I I, I did not I did not expect that. We can go over that, but uh, just before, like you like you said, there's a lot of stuff in there, and it's really you know it's really heavy, and we're not going to go into everything. But we also thought of that, right? So the 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 content is not just meant to be read from top to bottom, right? You can do it; it's not that long. But if there are some specific areas that are more interesting to you, we put like a navigation that's really easy for you to just go to the more. Interesting pieces that are that are for you, so don't feel overwhelmed by it. Uh, right. By Bye. it either. But uh, yeah, in terms of the different sections, so the first one we tackle is migration. And migration has to do with not necessarily just, you know, migrating from on premise to cloud, but it has to do with anything. So cloud to cloud migration, content management as well. So how people are reorganizing their content within their environments. That chapter, I'd say is the, the most straightforward since, you know, migration is nothing, is nothing new. People have been migrating to the cloud for a while. We've seen some, some, some trends grow while 2020 did have some impacts. Um, I mean, we still continue to see those trends. But one thing that, that stuck to me is that, yes, while there's 60% less you know, on-prem to on-prem migrations, that's kind of like one of those no-brainers. And there's a rise in on-premises to cloud migration, which is like, when you think about it, it is normal. But what surprises me is that it is still an increase compared to 2019,
0: yeah, and yeah. To
2: me, it's interesting that there's still a rise in there's more and more migration going to the cloud. And if we haven't reached that peak yet, it doesn't start declining in terms of the amount of, of data that's migrated. It just means that we have a really, really long tail, you know, yeah. of content <laughs> yeah. that's still on premise. So we've got years and years of of migrating that content. And that's just like always surprises me to be to be completely honest.
0: Because, yeah. Where is the top of that peak, right? Like that's yeah. a, um, and I don't point. know.
2: I don't know when you talked you guys talked to your to your customers. Like I feel like now, I guess at least ninety to ninety-five percent of the conversations that I had, at least before the pandemic, in like in, in conferences and whatnot, I felt like people were pretty much, you know, on Microsoft three sixty-five and conversations are very, very kind of like cloud oriented and focused. Yeah. But when you look yeah. at that, it it means that there's still a lot of uh, of stuff that's on prem. Definitely.
0: That's um that's you know, I think we've We've said on the show before, I feel like sometimes I, we live in a bit of a bubble, right? Where we're surrounded by other folks that are into the same sort of stuff, but there is a is right. thousands of businesses out there, thousands and thousands of businesses who aren't as up to speed, who aren't going to Ignite, for example, right? Yeah. Who are living with their legacy of on-prem servers and all those sorts of things. And so, yeah, I think we're sheltered from a little bit of this in our community um, with just realizing how much of that stuff is still left to go.
1: Mm-hmm. There's two things of this. I mean, There's one like an observation that I think that I've had over the last since 2019, and that I've I've seen I've noticed a trend throughout 2020 and, and so far this year as well in 2021, where it seemed like before when you would come across those people that were on prem, maybe you weren't you weren't running into them at a at a conference. I mean, it is much more at a conference you're going more for like the latest and greatest and the news, which is cloudy, which is the cloud space, not cloudy, but what i have seen more of is that kind of more of like a sentiment where the people who are on prem and have not migrated yet before it was more of a they were more dismissive of the cloud or they were more defensive of staying on prem whereas it feels more like that attitude when you speak to those people who are on prem they have an attitude that is seems more of a we haven't migrated yet or yeah, we know we're still on-prem. And it's almost more of a def- – <laughs> not, not so much of a defensive thing, just going, yeah, I get it. We un- it, More of an, an understanding of we get this is where everything is going. We get this – or this is where the significant majority of stuff is going, is going to the cloud. We just either, A, haven't gone there yet, B, we don't have a, the ability to go there anytime soon because of political, technical, or budgetary reasons – that's one thing I've noticed. The other thing that I noticed too, and this is one of the no- things I saw from, from your report. I mean, I, I get that it was going to be a, a big jump and people who have gone from on-prem operations to 365 operations. But you guys, in your report, you say that 60%, 60.63% fewer on-prem operations in 2020 than what we saw in 2019. I expected it to be big. I didn't expect it to be like, better than like the approval rating for our sitting US president.
2: <laughs> 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 no, it's true. It's true. Like it's uh and and year over year the the on-prem to on prem is really going down pretty pretty fast for yeah. sure. Yeah the what about is... the
0: what about the cloud to cloud one? So yep. that one you're saying cloud to cloud migrations are increasing by sixty seven point nine percent. Is that from one cloud to another cloud? So like from Google to Microsoft, or is that just even from within the Microsoft ecosystem? What do you deem as a cloud-to-cloud migration?
2: Yeah, so what we deem from cloud-to-cloud is really from one tenant to the other. We didn't look necessarily Mm. like people going from, it's not going from Google to uh, to Microsoft. There's a lot of... uh, Moving around from one tenant to the other, but also mm. within the same tenant. So there's a lot of content management happening, and it's kind of normal, right? So the the more people there will be on the cloud, the bigger you know that that number will will keep on will be essentially. Sure, but, sure. Um, yeah, that's a, that, that's a trend also that we saw the past few years.
0: Very cool. Very and, cool. That I mean, it makes sense, right? That one's going down. Yeah, at about that same rate, the other one's going up at about the same rate. <laughs> exactly,
1: <laughs> it's like a seesaw. The math checks out. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting too because when you hear when you hear about migrations, like I, at least me, I was thinking I'm going, I'm onboarding into Microsoft 365. Not so much that I'm moving around in Microsoft 365, but the only kind of moving around inside Microsoft 365 that I was that I was factoring in in my head was like a, a mergers and acquisition where one company buys another one and we want to move all of their mm-hmm. stuff into our tenant. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about the whole like, well, yeah, you know, companies having multiple tenants and we're wanting to consolidate stuff or yep. stuff like that. Oh, so yeah. that. I didn't even think about that. It's
0: awful. I've lived through that this last you know, couple of years of mergers and mm. dealing with cloud-to-cloud migrations around documents and email and all that. It's just... Microsoft don't make it easy.
2: That's yeah, what I'm saying. Right? There's a lot and of need help. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of throttling as well, right? There's uh, yeah, like the the mean. migration speeds can sometimes be uh, be a be a challenge.
0: Yeah. Yep, for yeah. for
2: sure. But, yeah, And I think one one of the things also we see in that kind of cloud to, to cloud and, and reorganization is that there was a lot of people who, and we were going to touch on it when we talk about the modernization aspect, but there was a big boom of creation of resources that happened at the very beginning. And that kind of like mm-hmm. indicates or like what we think that might happen is that with all that stuff that was created very, very quickly, there was a Really big need to go back and to reorganize some of that uh, of that content. So that's one of the the, the conclusions that we think that might have uh, gotcha. that might have spiked that number so much throughout the year.
1: That was a really good observation because I mean, that was one of the things that surprised me about last year, about when this whole pandemic started and the dominoes really started to fall in March. At least in North America, it seemed the dominoes really started to fall in March and in, in April. And how fast people were able, not only the business community, but schools, and how fast people were able to migrate and start moving in that direction to the cloud. I didn't even think about the whole fact that's like going, let's just like, you know, moving house. Like, let's just get everything in so we can yeah. get out of the old house and then we're going to organize and get everything back in the boxes. That's a really Such good, a good yeah. analogy. But well, yeah. yeah, I didn't well, even think about it until, I was, until, until Larry just said that.
2: Yeah, and it's it's one of the things that we kind of like, we always advocated for when you're doing a migration is, you know, you always plan, you do kind of like the reorganization and the leaving behind and, and all that, that, that planning and all that stuff. And while you're moving, you reorganize. And I guess kind of like, the best practice but in that time crunch there was there was no time for that you know you just like you said it was just like just ship it it was more kind of like a lift and shift and then it's like okay now we've got this and it's not built for the cloud and now Mm -hmm. we're just going to kind of like shift all that stuff around and and think about flattening our hierarchy and uh all that fun stuff so
0: um we're being actively kicked out of our house yeah, <laughs> we've just got to throw things in boxes and leave.
1: Well, pretty <laughs> much. So here's a good pretty example much. of that, right? I had a good friend that was doing. I had a really big client, very large client, and they were stuck in this same thing. They were almost all on prem, so everybody gets sent home. They're all working from home, and their first reaction was, "We need access to all of our P drives, right? And so we need all the, we need access to all of our, our file shares." And so their first reaction was, "We need to level up our VPN game," and they start doing that. And they realize like we've got 25,000 employees from home. This is going to be one. And then nobody worked from home before, no remote staff at all. And it's like, wait, you can't level up your VPN game like this overnight. So what's the other solution? It's like, oh, the cloud is the solution. That's This is called OneDrive for business. We need, somebody needs to go through and start doing a, a whole bunch of uploads. What is a 429 error? They started learning what those are really quick. It's like, what can we do about buying a boatload of hard drives and just mailing them to Microsoft and saying, can you guys just plug these things in or <laughs> yeah. something?
0: <laughs> yeah, people were forced yeah. into a very rapid response. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So, that's migration, right? Yep. How about yep. we move on to modernization?
2: Yeah. yeah, so modernization touches, of course, like going to like a modern architecture. and it's also kind of broader. It's like just adopting the modern way of uh, of working, essentially. So, again like all the chapters have this recurring theme, which is acceleration, right? Everything was was very fast. And that's not a surprise for, for anyone. We all, kind of like all, all went through that. But definitely we saw the need for the modern workplaces, I think that we saw. So I think like almost 75% organization that we surveyed said that they had they had from 60 to 100% of their workforce shift to distributed work and almost 70% expect that most of their workforce will continue to work remotely through 2021. Hmm. So it's still continuing. It's not like it's behind us and it's it's here to stay and it's still a big challenge.
1: So that's fascinating to me. I've seen stuff from Gartner. I know you guys quoted a Gartner a, yep. a Gartner study in your report as well, but That was fascinating because CJ and I have talked about this many, many times on the show, but the business impacts from this pandemic, from the the AI people and the gamers can't get a hold of their their coolest video cards. I know, CJ. And then (laughs) from the other people who are just like, you know, this company is never going back to the office and all that corporate office space is all going to go, you know, those people are all going to go bankrupt. And it's like, no, no, no. The needle doesn't swing from one side all the way to the other, and then it's going to come all the way back. And it's going to be interesting to see as this goes. You know where are companies going to fall in that medium? What sectors are going to fall in that medium, and where? How far is that needle going to go back or stay where it is? That one, you know, this part that you have in here—about seventy percent of your responders expect the majority of their workforce to continue working remotely through twenty twenty one. It's one of the first. I've been wanting to see something like this. This a real study that actually shows this has got data to back it up. I can't Mm -hmm. wait to see. What that same thing is going to go, what that same number is going to be when they say, when we look at it again, like say in in December 2021 or January 2022. And like, so now where's this company going to go? Like, how did this change your company? Not how did your company address the change, but how did you really change going forward?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's gonna be super interesting, and I think that question could be a report on its own. It's huge, like for it's gonna vary per industry company size, like how is that gonna span in time, right? So like how fast are people going to adjust? It's really interesting, and I'm like going for remote for us has been pretty pretty smooth to the point that we you know decided to switch to a remote. Only so, we're, we're not going back to the office. Mm. They are going to keep the office uh, part of it if you want to go back, and it's going to be an option, but it's you're never going to be required to be in the, the office gotcha. anymore. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's Microsoft uh, that actually
0: this week announced internally that they are going to be soft opening the Redmond campus again shortly. And I took that to mean padded walls. Well, sorry. Padded walls. (laughs) Padded walls is soft opening. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I took the soft opening to mean they're going to let people go back to the office. And it's really sort of a trial period Mm -hmm. to figure out for themselves how many people want to go back to the office. Yeah. Because I suspect there's a lot of these companies are not really sure where that needle will sort of balance, right? And they need it for planning purposes and all those sorts of things too. So.
2: Yeah, it's not, not that you gave a taste that to a lot of your employees and you don't really have an argument for them to come back to the office because like everything went so smoothly. Well, yeah. it's hard for you to tell them, no, you absolutely have to come back to the office.
1: Yeah. Because you don't it's, really have
2: an argument to support it.
1: It's funny you say that. I did I did my first... I, it didn't occur to me until it actually happened. But I did my first conference call yesterday with someone. Unfortunately, it was related to all that SharePoint framework stuff I said. But I did my first <laughs> conference call with someone senior at Microsoft and I was like, wait a minute, that looks like an office. That looks like a real office. Like you have a recycle bucket behind you and you have like a glass window to a door. That's a <laughs> Microsoft office. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, I haven't been on a call with someone in a, in a real office at any company in a year. But this is the first time I've seen this. He's like, well, I've got three kids that are under five years old yeah. at home and our house <laughs> isn't really made for working from home. So when they said- sign your liability to say, when you come back to the office, if you get COVID, it's not our fault. And he's like, I was like, where's the paperwork? I got we, My <laughs> wife wants me out. I got it. I'm like, i like, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. We're a pretty young company.
2: So still not, not everybody has kids. So we might have it a little bit easier than than. All, but I know some colleagues had kids and, uh, you know, they had to sit with us in a few meetings. So I can understand it's, it's harder yeah. on, the, on some people.
0: I miss it. I'm, honestly, I miss being in an office with other people. You know, not every day. But I miss that. I still miss that collaborative feel of being in the same meeting room with a whiteboard, and um, that's still really hard to replicate. So, I think it'll, you know, like you say, everybody will find their different balance, and some people will never go into the office, and others will be there all the time, and there'll be weirdos in the middle like me. And
1: yeah, (laughs) well, it'll be it'll be nice to have an option to be able to go to an office, like as somebody who travels, and like going to Microsoft and being able to visit, you know, and and going into an office and, and collaborating and stuff. It's nice to from my point of view, it's nice to be able to go and have that option to do that. But it's nice that that's not my default. And yeah. I'm sure that there are people that are on the other side of that, which is I would rather be default in an office, but be able to just say, I'm going to be able to work from home for the next two or three days. Then there's the people that are, you know, like what, Larry, what you're saying, like, no, no, no we're we're all remote now and you can go into the office if you want. Then there's other people like going, no, no, I never want to end up having to work from home. I have a friend that works for Johnson & Johnson. He's a scientist in a lab. And he's like, we had to design a whole new contact lens and we just launched and everything and we did all of it remotely without ever going into the factory. It's like, okay, that's impressive. He's like, yeah, well, it was all done for my back patio and I, I, need, I need my office again. We, it's kind of hard to do like scientific stuff at home on the patio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you guys noticed as part
0: of this big change, you noticed a few things around the tooling of the modern workplace and, and things like that. So were there any highlights that you want to point out around how people felt it went regarding sort of their tools or their, their approach to working remotely?
2: We saw a bigger impact, especially when it comes to like adoption, we saw a bigger impact on to companies that had plans to go to modern or modern way of working in a more short to mid-term. So those are the ones who really went like, okay, it's realistic for us to push forward and just accelerate what we had in place. But for those companies who had a longer-term mindset, it was harder to... Mm. Uh, so, And we didn't see as much of a switch on, on their end. Of course, there, there was probably some patching here and there but yeah so that's where we saw the biggest the biggest impacts but when it comes to the tool like I said earlier there was that there was that kind of big boom especially at the uh, at the beginning and there's just like through groups and teams creation rose by 21 21% twenty one percent of what we've seen, and an average in uh, our apricot users, so and that's mm-hmm. not just because like, there was new users coming in or more people going to the cloud, that's really an average. so there was really that kind of like boom of like people really leaning into the technology to support their work and supporting stuff that they would usually do in a you know, more informal in the office, really yeah. re- relying on the tech to start doing that. One, one interesting thing also is that we noticed following that boom is that there was sixty-seven percent more inactive groups, and we qualify inactive groups by groups that haven't been used in uh, in ninety days. Interesting. Yeah. So you saw that kind of probably that urge to create those platforms, those groups, those teams to start working. Maybe people didn't know exactly how to. We know that there are many many ways to create a group, right? So maybe people, you know, just. Yep. There was a lot of that happening. So definitely it was a little, uh, there's probably i uh, I'd be a little bit of spring cleaning to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, after, after all this, uh, all of this is done.
0: Yeah, that makes yeah,
2: sense. Yeah, definitely. But other than that, in terms of the the usage, I'd say those are like the the biggest ones in terms of modernization. There's we saw some increase also in functionalities like external sharing, mm. like the, so externally share links, guest access. So big increases on that side as well, which okay. is a good thing, right? If more people use the platform, then more people should be using those functionalities. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, see, it those numbers. are kind of like the the main things that we saw, kind of.
0: One thing that stood out was that self-service kind of aspect. Yep. It feels like companies might have, in this you've said that, or you've found that, you know, more companies are open to empowering end users with making choices and doing things for themselves than having to go to IT to go do them. Yeah. That, I guess, also makes sense when you think about it, right? Because they, IT want to give them the tools and then let them flourish as opposed to, I don't know why that's any different than it should have been in the past, but you know being stuck in their old ways so to speak you know
2: yeah and when you look at the big boom right i think also a lot of companies like didn't really have a choice <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> because there was yeah. this huge need to create all those resources and it would have been just like a huge task for it to just like gate that and allow people to work it would have, it would have created a huge backlog right. so i think some people of like it.
1: forced to embrace self mm. uh, self service one of the things too that you highlight in this, I'm going I'm to tee up a little bit here because I want you to, I want you to kind of explain something to our, our listeners that we we've, we've mentioned Sharegate Apricot, but I don't. It may be something that are, that some of our listeners aren't as familiar with. I mean, I know we talk about it. You guys mention it in your sponsorship posts that we play in, in all the episodes, mm-hmm. but there's something in here where you talk a little bit about how you were also able to notice with Apricot what the team's governance and what the usage grew by. I don't want to mention the number that I'm looking at right now. I'd rather you (laughs) you mention it, but why don't you tell people a little bit about what is ShareGate Apricot and what were you able to see specifically around Teams usage increase Apricot? Uh,
2: Yeah, so Apricot essentially is a platform that helps you automate governance through what we call collaborative governance, right? So it's all about... But we're exactly what we're talking right now. So you need to empower users. You need to give them more responsibilities. You want to enable that self service, even though I know that's, uh, Talking to people, we know that that term. Sometimes, you know, you you self service, and people get like that little cringe in their face, and you know, they're like, eh, "Sounds like an all-you-can-eat buffet," but and people <laughs> don't really like that. <laughs> but it, it's still what Microsoft calls it. You know, Ben Ben refers to it as like frictionless guidance. You know, where your job is to enable those users, but to create those guidelines, right, and and those guardrails essentially, and Apricot automates that. And I think Mm. the number you're referring to, AC, there's a lot of numbers, might be another one, but (laughs) I'm going to go with this one, is we saw an increase in 68% in trusted groups in Apricot. And just to give a bit of context of what entrusted groups are, is that in Apricot you have the functionality to entrust a group's administration to its owner. You can do that at the group level. You can do that at the tenant level. And what that does essentially is that they are responsible, you know, to control who has access to uh, mm. to it. So the the you know keeping track of the permissions, who has access to what, keeping track of external sharing, so external links, and uh, being in charge of archival as well so when you know the group is done the tool will automate the process to involve the group owner to take those decisions so and we saw a rise by 68 percent. so we definitely saw that there was a huge need for people to start entrusting more not just to the functionality of in apricot but just like really entrusting those users and giving them more control and
1: uh yeah
2: i guess with uh was the saying again with uh, great, uh, power, great, power great power comes great
1: responsibility? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So there was three paragraphs in your conclusion of the report that really stood out to me, and I'm kind of going back and forth. I'm like going, I don't want to say them because I want people to go read the report, but I also I want to like tease it up a little bit, but so I don't want to like jump to like the cliff notes version. But there's one thing that you did say here that I thought that's really interesting and really interesting observation, where you talk about when you asked IT professionals whether prior to COVID. Was their organization, were they in a position to be able to move to a distributed workforce or be able to, to encourage or, or enable, I guess, support yeah. distributed workforce? And 80% of your respondents said, yes, they did yep. feel that. And your conclusion is interesting where you say that, well, I, can I quote it? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So you say, quote, you know, we read this as, an, as a confirmation that, that Microsoft 365's powerful feature-rich productivity suite includes the tools that IT professionals need to support a distributed workforce. Now it's just a matter of implementing these tools and empowering employees to use them in the right ways. That's really interesting because a, a yeah. lot of people were already in a good place to be able to do this. So when the pandemic hit they were well-positioned. Those people who are already on, on Microsoft 365 or at least had a migration path in the near term that they could just simply say, all right, fine, we were going to do this, go. We, yeah. we have to do it Switch right it on, now. Yeah. And if I was an IT manager or I was in charge of a migration, I mean, in one sense, you're almost, I don't want to say that it's like the pandemic was almost a blessing, but in one sense, you're kind of looking at going, look, a migration is going to be you want it to be as less, as least intrusive as it possibly can be yeah. in your workforce, but you've already got this external influence. That's already incredibly intrusive and in how people are going to be migrating from I'm having to switch and working from home and stuff. And it's like going, if there's already pain, if you've already got to have surgery and we were already going to do this one thing with your, I don't know, with one, one part of your body, we're already going to be in there. Let's go ahead and you're getting dental work done. You're getting a, a crown put on we can already go in there and we can already do this other thing that we need to knock you out for. So let's just go and do both of these things at the same time Yeah, because this is going to be going on. I mean, that's really interesting and it's got to be a, a, a double-edged sword, which is like, you know, I'm sorry we got to do this, but hey, if we're going to be there and it's already going to impact yeah. you. Let's just go a little bit
2: harder now. <laughs> there was an urgency that I think might have helped a few IT teams push some some stuff forward. Definitely like I think Jasper said it, you know, they the the going to like a more modern approach was kind of like a nice to have and was kind of like an IT project and just kind of like trying to push it forward. But then when the mm-hmm. pandemic struck, modernization came a business problem and i think it really helped push some stuff some stuff forward maybe a little too fast for some in some cases but definitely i I think it had a a big impact and and that was like one of the questions i wanted to to ask you guys is like so from from a scale from zero to 10 like what is your feeling of what you guys seen on the field of like how things went like the impact and how how it just it just played out like zero being like a complete disaster, and ten being just like walking apart. Everything was perfect.
1: I was a, on, a, we're talking about migration, not handling the not handling the actual pandemic, right?
2: Oh no, 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 yeah, we're, we're, no, no. Well, let's not get into that. But the, the yeah, just like going to the cloud and adopting, you know, the modern the, the modern workplace.
0: I a quote from a university professor of mine immediately springs to mind as I've had a bunch of conversations with customers this past year, which, and which I think summarizes their conversations quite well, which is, it sucks to be doing, but it's great to have done, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And my computer science professor was talking about his class. He was like, yeah, you're complaining about it and it sucks to be doing it, but don't worry, at the end, you'll be glad you've done it, right? Yeah. And I think that summarizes quite a few of the conversations I've had this past year, that it was really hard on people to be going through it. And to be forced into the situation and to be having to change much faster than was, was that came naturally to them as, a, as an organization. But as the conversations have progressed through the year and, and I've kind of revisited, you know, with them and from time to time, they're much more used to the situation now. And they're like, we can't imagine going back to the way we used to do it. And so, yeah, I think there's been that period of pain, but now there's a sort of realisation that the world has changed and that things for the and things will be for the better. Often you'll go through, you know, it sucks to go to the gym, but the results often feel good at the end, right? So it's um, not that I can talk about that, but apparently that's what they say. <laughs> so what's your number? I'm quoting that like I know what I'm talking about, but I have no idea. But uh, yeah, that's... I guess that's my summary of of the conversations that I've been having. I think, yeah, overall.
1: It's a hard question to answer, right? Um, Because it's, you know, how do I think everything has gone? Like the process or overall? I'm going to put it closer to like an eight, an eight or a nine. I was really surprised how successful, and I want to qualify my answer after I give this. I was really surprised at how successful both the schooling from home experience and going to online collaboration because there's a lot more collaboration in school in elementary or grade school than there is in the business community, I think. At least that's my perspective. I think also, but from the business side, they both, they were also pushed and saying, "Look, this is just how it's gonna have to work and how you're going to have to move. I was able to take a step back and it wasn't so much a looking at it from my experience because I was already working from home for a decade before this whole pandemic hit. But I watched two friends of mine, one of them worked for a large financial services organization, and then another one is an educator, and she's also, his wife is an educator. And then another one works for one of the big medical, well, Johnson & Johnson. So anywhere from contact lenses to obviously vaccines, but a whole bunch of other things as well. And I watched how their work from home experience went as one having to be forced into uh, working for collaboration, I think that from those two specific experiences, you know they're looking forward to going back to the office because part it doesn't work with their style of work and their families, but also part because that's just the, what they're going to prefer. However, in talking to them and trying to understand you know how those experiences went and what went and be able to take a step back and looking at it from a third person part of view a point of view, it was really impressive that while there was a lot of struggles that how well everything went, I expected things to be a lot more chaotic and a lot worse. Mm. But I think that also, I think that companies were able, a lot of companies were able to benefit from the fact that there was this pandemic going on. And so, every almost every single company had the card, the get out of jail free card to play and just saying, look, everything is kind of stopping right now. So, we're able to slow everything down while we make this radical shift. And even if we're not even if our business isn't slowing down we have a great excuse of just saying we're trying to we're you know everybody else is doing this and we're all doing it now i think so i guess my summary is i'm i'm i agree with what cj said but i'm really surprised at how smoothly everything went hmm. but i think it's also because the greater business community throughout the world not just in north america where the three of us are but how everybody was having to do this at the exact same time and so everyone was kind of like we are all on the same boat on this. We all are giving everybody a little bit of grace, but I still was like, "Holy crap, this went a lot smoother than I thought it was yeah. really going to go." And yeah,
2: and that's kind of and I exactly. I, I think exactly like both of you actually. I think at the the end result was kind of like what you're saying. You see, it's like crisis averted. Like you know, we we avoided mm-hmm. the crisis and things kind of like went smoothly. But I mean, the results were good, but I think that's a testament to what you were saying earlier with that 80% is that, you know, the the platform was there and it was ready to support. That's one thing. The other thing I think is what and that's my personal opinion is what AC is saying is that it's a testament also to all the hard work that was put in by everybody in the IT industry to kind of like make that happen. And it was very hard on some people, not saying that it was a walk mm. in the park, but the end result mm. was good because of that. And I think when, that's the third one, and I don't know. I might get some uh, some heat on that one, but I think that it's also a testament. And also, yeah, Jasper also um, kind of agreed to that. Is that sometimes you don't give end users enough credit? Mm-hmm. Of course, you're always going to have uh, those tricky, you know, situations and you're, those those kind of exceptions, but. I think that users are getting more and are getting better with technology as things go. Perhaps not as much as we like, but they've got technology in their day-to-day lives. And you know, phishing attacks is not something that happens only in your professional work, right? So I think people are kind of like slowly kind of getting a hold of better using technology. Mm-hmm. It's probably far from perfect, but at least yeah, But I, that's that's kind of like my. Uh, that's a great point. Yeah, you know,
0: really you know, there's, there's those workplaces that. That really strangled their people right by saying, "This is the way we do this particular thing, this you use this tool and this process and things like that, and this whole situation has thrown a spanner in the works, and they've been forced to let people work in new ways and use new tools and do different things and and I think to Jasper's point, in a lot of cases they've really thrived, and it's been great to see you know that that's a really good point
1: yeah, this is going to be so much. Well, I say fun. It is fun for me, but it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I know our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say this, but they're more tired of my kids when I got COVID saying, it's just such a weird experience, not me, I'll taste anything. But <laughs> it's going to be so much fun to watch how this evolves over 2021 when the vaccine rollouts are much more widespread, when things get back to, and I'm just going to put in air quotes, whatever it is after this, the new normal, what, the, yep. what people get back to and how we kind of start getting back to as normal as we are, or, you know, the time that the three of us can be standing around a booth, the Sharegate booth at, at a conference and not be concerned about shaking somebody's hand and not having to wear masks all the time and stuff. It's going to be interesting to see kind of taking a step back and looking at just going like, I wonder what this is like. like it's going to be really weird to be standing on that yeah. floor in Orlando again or whatever conference center we're at. And Seeing that big, weird Microsoft thing in the center that looks like something from Alien and yeah. watching people with backpacks trying to collect as much swag as they can in their bag and not have going through your head going, You're taking all the COVID buggies back home with you and putting it in your bag. Like, <laughs> yeah. What do you and just, it, it's going to be interesting to kind of sit back and watch that whole thing. Like I think about it, you know, before, and my son even mentioned it last night, like, you know, how, you know, it's, it's amazing how unsanitary we were. I'm like, I don't. That's not, I don't think that's how we were before. And that's the same thing on the business side. Like the observations that you guys have made in this, in this report, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of going back. Like, I don't, I wonder how many people are going to just sit there and go like, well, this didn't go well. We wanted to migrate back to on-prem. Like,
0: no, yeah. no. We were forced into this situation, but we're not going to be forced out of it.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? So
0: but we were forced to make all these changes and now it's going to be on a bunch of companies to decide how they want to progress moving forward. They're not going to be forced out of these new ways of work. Right. So,
1: yeah. Just imagine what um, this would have been like 15 years ago.
0: Oh my gosh. I can't. <laughs> I can't even. Oof. You know, it was like trying to do business before email. I'm
1: not sure how that worked either. Yeah, let um, do all of our communication with Skype and AOL, instant messenger. Yeah. Carrier pigeon.
0: <laughs> Speaking of carrier pigeons, security. So, the last section of your report. We've covered migration. We've covered a bit of modernization. Let's briefly touch on security here as well and a couple of key takeaways that you that you had from the report. And then we'll then we'll wrap this stuff up and get some conclusions.
2: Yeah. Well we're well, like going over all the main kind of takeaways. One thing that, that I found was really interesting was on the training aspect, because I think, mm. you know, if you give more power to users, technically they should be better trained. But I, it, there's a stat where we say that it's 57% of companies said that they had sufficient time to train their users. So mm. depending on which way you see it, it you've still got a 43% who, who, who say they don't have enough time. What I found interesting is that only 19% said that they had official training available for teams. So mm. I find it very interesting to see that gap there. So... I'm wondering I'm thinking like do people see teams as just you know a video call or like meetings because obviously training people on doing video calls and meetings is not that important I guess they'll they'll wrap their head around this they'll be able to do it or a colleague will be able to guide them through it but you know when it comes to the whole you know what happens when you create a team what happens you when you create a private channel what happens right. you know with your external shared links uh, guest access so those are things that are important to train users and that I'm You know, we're thinking that there might be a little blind spot there that people need to look into.
0: That's an interesting observation because you're right. I think people are probably used to taking meetings online and whether they're sitting at their desk at the office and joining a meeting that's remote Mm -hmm. or doing it from home, right? They've probably done that already. That's probably not that new to everybody, but collaborating with people through those tools will often be new, I think. So yeah. Interesting.
2: So that was one thing that I find interesting on the security aspect of it. You know, just some interesting, interesting stats.
0: External sharings.
2: Yeah, external sharing. Yeah, Yeah, we saw an increase of uh, 73% in external shared links. So that's huge. And we touched on that uh, earlier. and, And that's a good thing, right? We want to see those numbers go up. Quite frankly, I'm more concerned about the other kind of rough 30% Thirty percent there that aren't using external sharing, right? And we you know we understand there are some industries that for who it's, it's harder to enable those functionalities.
0: It also must be freaking the security people out inside these companies somewhat, yeah. right? Because having some level of confidence that the right information is being shared externally and it's being controlled in the right way, or at least that they have the confidence that they're not you know leaking leaking yeah. uh, the wrong stuff at the wrong time, must be worrying them.
2: Yeah. And I mean, just like like Joanne Klein said, odds are that whether you like it or not, external sharing is happening anyways. You know, it's just it depends. Whether really you know, know what,
0: about it or not. <laughs> exactly,
2: right? So I think you'd rather just know about it than to just lose Good lose point. track of it. So that was one thing. One thing that I found interesting as well was I don't remember the number. I think it was yes, just twenty five percent. It was twenty four percent of companies have classification. Data classification or a policy scheme in place, right. which right. I find is is pretty low, and maybe that's a testament to like people moving to the cloud very quickly, and that's mm. kind of like next on on the agenda. But, you know, if when we're talking about security, the big thing that we're covering in, in the chapter is that security is going to be about striking that balance, right? So it's a spectrum. If you go too far on opening and just giving control, then you are losing control and and doing this kind of like wild west. You need to have those guardrails on the other side of the spectrum. You're just completely blocking collaboration. And we think that, you know, classification is going to be super important. Because otherwise, you're just kind of like creating that blanket statement that all content is created equal, which isn't true, right? So yeah. if you want to yeah. enable users, you have to to separate that sensitive content from that non-sensitive content. And uh...
0: That is quite an interesting stat. I would have expected that to be the opposite almost. But uh, I guess people are not quite cloud mature yet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah a interesting. The, a lot of the numbers in the security section are... are... They're surprising to me. There's stuff that I wouldn't have anticipated. Like I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised, that eighty-six percent of the people are have MFA enabled. Mm-hmm. But then there was another one where I was surprised that what was it? There was a fifty-one that fifty
2: one percent of uh use the external sharing uh, feature that you need to have um yes, must sign in or provide a verification code.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. It was interesting. I expected that to be a lot lower. It's nice to see that it's eighty six percent. I saw where Ben said he wanted it one hundred percent. I agree. I love it at one hundred percent too. I, I struggled just trying to get my parents to do it, and it's like you need to do this. I think my kids—my yeah. ten-year-old or my eleven-year-old—is even doing it. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Which there's the whole question yeah. about another device for her, yeah. but that, whatever. But then twenty
2: five <laughs> percent don't require a sign in at all. So when you think about it, it's still it's still a it's still a good a good a good number.
1: Yeah, and when well, you were talking the, about.
2: And We're talking about anonymous links, you know, it's
1: eh. well, the training one too that she said, where it's like, you know, yes, we have adequate training. It's like, yeah, like 25% said we got formal training on it. Like, wait, was that the same person answering the response? Because that seems like two different people. That sounds like you, yeah. you talk to somebody's we, manager and then you talk to the employee, like, oh, yes, we have adequate training. There's the manager, yeah. the employee, going, no, I didn't get enough training. <laughs> <laughs> Think like we should be the same
2: same person who answered the whole survey, but
1: uh, yeah. so no, that's interesting.
0: What do people do if they want to dig into this more? Like, where can they go to get this report? It's all online, as I understand it. You don't have to go download it. It's nice and, and, you know, it's got nice menus for you to be able to flip through it and things like that. It makes it really great to just pick through and, and decide which pieces you want to read. But so for people that want to get it, where do they go?
2: Well, I think if they're listening to the the episode, I think the easiest way would be to go in the show notes. Link in the show
0: good notes. Good answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but otherwise, if you're not there, if you want to go back to it, if you happen to be on the Sharegate website, you can go on our blog, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be there. And even if you just go on the homepage, there's gonna be a little uh, call out that you can uh, that you can Excellent. click on.
0: Excellent. So sharegate.com. If you if if all else fails, go to sharegate.com. Find the blog about it. And it'll link you straight to the to the uh, right. to the place you need to go. Excellent. Well, Larry, we really appreciate you stepping through this with us, talking to our listeners about some of the interesting things you found as you've gone through this and written up, and some of the anecdotes you've you've had from your experts chiming in on this as well. It's really comprehensive. I urge everybody to go check it out and go take a look because it's really fascinating. And we really appreciate you coming on to. Uh, To talk to us about this in more detail.
2: Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me. That was really fun. We're not done with
1: you just yet. (laughs) Okay, okay.
2: Sticking around. There's
1: there's one more thing. Okay. (laughs) I will will say before we move on to that one more thing, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, like, you know, is this report really for me? I really do think that there's something in this for everybody. There's something in it for like the IT pros, the developers, the end users, the managers, the executives, the Mm -hmm. consumers of this. If you're in this business, if you're in this, tech business and you're you deal with Microsoft 365 or Azure, there's something in this for everybody. And it really is enlightening to see what's in here. I, I personally have gotten a lot more out of this than I ever expected. This is it's got you guys have been so comprehensive in this. I mean, hats off to to what you've done in this report and your effort. And um I guess my my biggest request is like I I don't I request but I'm sitting here saying to myself I hope they do this again I hope they do this yeah. next year too yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah and the plan is to I mean I can't I don't want to I I don't want to overcommit here but uh, we we love to do it and which is nice now is we're going to have previous versions to look into and it's going to be easier to compare year over year so hopefully the next one will be even better.
0: Well, you've set the bar pretty high, so (laughs) we hope you do. Thank you.
2: Thank you. All right. Let's take
0: a quick break and we'll be right
1: back and get into our picks. AC's Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show.
0: All right. It's that time of the show. Larry, we don't want to put you on the spot, but we gave you a little bit of warning on this that we do this pick segment. You've probably heard it on the show before. Of course. And you've brought a pick along for us. So, you know... Guests first. What have you got for us this week?
2: I was thinking, I was like, what could interest the followers of the Microsoft Cloud Show? So I figured if people are into podcasts, not that I want to bring any competition in here, but...
1: um, (laughs) We have no competition.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. It's actually the, the podcast that got me into listening podcasts in the first place. I was traveling after college, the classic trip, and then I met this guy and he introduced me to this podcast. It's super interesting. Honestly, they talk about scientific stuff, anecdotal stuff, but it's the way that they do it that is so this so interesting. So it's very kind of like story driven. You never know where they're going to lead you. Mm. They use beautiful editing, they use music, and it's super, super interesting. And it goes from one subject to another, coming back. And it's really, and you just feel super intelligent after listening to to one of those episodes. (laughs) Like the last episode I, I watched was about this guy, he's with his wife, Homeland Security shows up. He was expecting them, wife didn't know why. Turns out a few months before he had, a, he started having seizures. He had a brain surgery and without getting into too many details, because it's a little, a little sketchy, but he started to having those really compulsive
0: mm-hmm. things that he, he would or,
2: Yeah. And then yeah. He, he ended up with some very questionable stuff on his computer and he had no control over himself. So he was brought to justice. And then they explain you know how the brain works and then they just tie into the verdict and they start talking about stats of like how likely are people to get parole based on when the judge has eaten so if wow. the judge has just eaten you're like 90% more likely to get parole versus 10% only if they have haven't eaten in a while then they come back to the initial story. But, anyways, it's super, super interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's awesome. Remind
0: me to, uh, to ask for a hearing just after lunchtime.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's called. It's called Radiolab. 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 So highly recommend it. I, I've been uh, listening to that for several years, and there's there's a lot of podcasts, and episodes that you can that you can go through because it's not like it's something that's time sensitive. Like sure. all the episodes just are still topics. interesting. So you've got a lot cool. of uh, to catch up on to.
0: Very cool. That sounds fascinating. I love those. I love those dipping into those random topics that just take you in a completely different and interesting area that you normally would not have gone and looked
1: at, right? Um, That's really Mm -hmm. cool. AC, what have you got for us this week? I have a pair of pics. I'll do this. I'll do these kind of quick. They're both related to NASA's Perseverance rover, which is on um, the surface of Mars right now. Ever since this thing has landed, like every week, I'm going down a rabbit hole when I see some stuff. And the first link that I have is from March the 17th, which is a first is Perseverance captures the sounds of driving on Mars. This one was kind of funny. I actually listened to an interview about, uh, listened to the press conference from this, where they turned the microphone on and you can hear it, the wheels kind of like crunching through the, the soil. And they said, you know, hey, look, we, we did kind of clean up the audio a little bit here because there's some stuff we had to filter out and one of the reporters kind of got bent out of shape about it and said, so you're going through and you're modifying this. You know, you want you want, you want people to make it actually hear like exactly what it's really like and the guy was like, well, the problem is is that, you know, you've got this high-pitched whine that's going on due to the, the power supply that it's using. So we wanted to edit that out so that you could actually hear what it was really like and they're like, He's like, no, 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 no. People have to hear the original thing. So they actually played the original thing and then the same reporter a few minutes later goes, is there any way that you can clean it up a little bit? And they're like, well, that's exactly <laughs> what we did. <laughs> um, so you that's can't one. can't have it both ways, huh? Yeah. Oh, he, the reporter does. The other one, though, is, is going to be a lot of fun. So this was a report that came out or an article that came out on March the 23rd. And they are getting ready for the NASA Ingenuity, which if you're not familiar with that, that is... That's the helicopter that is on Perseverance. That is going to go for its first maiden flight on April the 8th. So we are like a week-ish away from when this episode public goes live when we're going to be able to see this very cool 33 by about a 10 by 10 meter patch that it's going to fly around and stuff that we're going to be able to see what happens with this. So I'm really excited to see that.
0: All right, my pick follows on from your pick, AC. It's about the helicopter on Mars. Oh. <sighs> Now there we go. That works. There is a small piece of the first airplane from the Wright brothers on the helicopter on Mars. So there's a small piece of, I think it's cloth that they've taken from the Wright brothers' first airplane and have launched it to Mars, and it's going to fly in that helicopter on Mars shortly, which is pretty cool. Also, not in this article, but on the same topic. A piece of the Wright brothers' plane was sewn into Neil Armstrong's spacesuit when he stepped foot on the moon for the first time. So now the Wright brothers' plane has been to the moon, and now it's going to be on Mars for the first time. And I got to tell you, like I I read this, and I was like, "It's just dust in my eye, man." I'm telling you, (laughs) just Martian dust. Just dust. (laughs) It's just Martian dust.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's who's to say that he's. Science, these scientists and everything at NASA don't have a a little bit of a aren't a little sentimental. I mean, that's like that's a nice touch. That's a really nice touch. Seriously, have that stuff on there. Yeah, I hope there's a bunch of the plane left for us to look at by the time we go
0: visit all these places. They're going to have taken a bunch of chunks out of it, but uh, yeah, it's nice that it'll make its way to that. It's made its way safely to Mars and will fly on another planet for the first time. That is so cool. Yes, now for all those New Zealanders listening. Yes, I realize about the whole Richard Pierce story and whether the Wright brothers were the first to take flight, but I'm not going to get into that controversy on the show right now.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it because I tell you what, it's not that hard to fly in New Zealand when all you got to do is just let something go and it falls off. You the just fall of the off. But yeah, just, exactly. Come on. That is not, that's not. You're already upside down. It's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gravity. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to keep our Kiwi contingent. I'm going to always lose it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah.
0: So, Larry, thanks for coming again on the show and for your wonderful report and also your pick about uh, Radiolab. We really appreciate you coming on the show. We're very appreciative of Sharegate supporting the show and and of your support over the many years. And so, thanks again. And um, here's to a better 2021.
2: <laughs> yep. Thanks, you guys. That was that was really awesome. Really glad I could I could join you guys. Thanks for all the the hard work you put into the into the podcast. We all really uh, appreciate it.
1: Not a problem at all. We enjoy it. Yeah, we really do. And I'm going to echo everything that CJ said. Thanks for coming on the show. I know this was a longer episode for our listeners, but this was one of the most chock full of information things that are here. So I, I absolutely, I loved it. This was so much fun. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: Did you like this episode? please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com where you'll get notices of each episode as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.